Welcome to another episode of Corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization, projects, and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding corporate mortality events. Joining us today is Kareen Schneider. Sorry, Kareen is president of AST Private Company Solutions and the creator of Estrella. Estrella is a private company ownership tracking self-serve software, software to help companies uh, global communicate, model, and manage share ownership. She also recently wrote a book, The Democratization. I'm not going to be able to say it. Yeah, the Democracy of the Okay, you say it. Let's hear about your book. <laughs> democratization of the private market. It's funny. Um, there's like a, there's those few words that when you when you see them written, that all of a sudden you can say it normally, but not once it's written. So. I know. I have that problem too. <laughs> well, welcome. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your book. Tell us a little bit about you, and uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm Kareen Schneider. So I I run a division of AST. AST is uh, one of the two largest transfer agents in North America. So on the public company side. Uh, shares have to, if you're buying or selling stock in a public company, they have to transfer through a transfer agent. So we're owned by AST. And what we focus on in our group is only working with privately held companies. So these are companies that are not on NASDAQ or on New York Stock Exchange. Um, there's a, millions and millions of private companies and they're owned by somebody and someone has to keep track of who owns the company. So in some cases, you know, it could be a butcher shop and it's one person who owns it. That's pretty simple. But a lot of companies have different people who have invested money at different times. They own different parts of the company. There might be employees who work at that company who've been promised some stock in the future. And someone has to keep track of all of that and then um, make sure that everyone understands what their, their personal ownership is. And then there's always, you know, someone wants to buy your business. So what if we sold and how much money would everybody get? And that's really what Estrella does for tiny companies all the way up to very large privately held companies. It's hmm, fantastic. And when was your book released? Uh, it's technically released next week. Um, it's this is uh, this is it. It's uh, coming out. It's on Amazon, and it's it's about really talking about the fact that there's this private market out there where you can buy and sell stock in a private company, but it is not as simple as going and calling Schwab or Fidelity and saying, "Hey, I want to buy some Apple stock." It's much more complicated and much more expensive than that. So it talks about how do we start to change things, especially with technology today. How do we allow technology to help us make this easier, less expensive, and how can we get more people to participate in this private market? So is, is blockchain a component of that? And if so, let's first define blockchain and then tell me how, how that fits together. Yeah. So blockchain is very important part of it. it. It's something that we have built into Estrella because we so believe that blockchain is important when you're managing this kind of data. So just a level set, what is blockchain? Um, now, people hear blockchain, they hear cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and they kind of all mesh it together. And that's actually not the way to look at this. Um, blockchain is a type of technology that allows you to manage information in an immutable way. So the word immutable really means it can't be changed. And the way database management software works is that if I type in um, that you own 2 million shares and then tomorrow I type in that you own 50 shares, that information about the fact that yesterday you own 2 million and today you own 50, all I'll see is 50. 
I'll never really know that you one time own 2 million shares. So it's very easy to make mistakes and it's very easy to not understand what the history was. So um, what blockchain does is it allows you to manage this digital record and it never goes away. So there is a trail. Um, we call it the genealogy of a share in Estrella, meaning I can really follow the history uh, of exactly who owned the stock, when did they sell it, who did they sell it to, how much did they sell it for, all of that information is there. And that becomes really important when you're selling your company or when you're going public. And blockchain is really the key to all of that. And we are the only provider of this type of software that actually employs blockchain. Everybody else is still using uh, the old database uh, software. So I guess, is that going to become more, maybe I've heard a little bit about using then blockchain to track um, ownership within fine art and things like that to understand how art is getting transferred from owner to owner. Is that exactly? Yeah. A good example I heard the other day was using blockchain in our food system. So if you thought, think about it, when you buy a head of lettuce at the store, you don't really know where that uh, lettuce came from. And everybody's, oh, you know, we're having a problem with lettuce and you sit there with your head of lettuce going, you know, I bought it at Safeway. I don't know what else. Well, what blockchain can do is it can track throughout the process. Well, where was the lettuce grown and who picked it and what truck did it go into and what box was it in and who, you know, what store was it sold to? And so you'll have all that information. Again, I, I use the word immutable a lot. It can't be changed. And so if you have to go back and say, well, in the supply chain, where exactly was this? Um, blockchain can help you with that information. And so it's going to be really powerful. And I think it's going to be in five years, it's going to be so prevalent in our world that the idea of the old database style of keeping track of things, which is whatever information is there today is the last thing I can remember, is going to be gone. We're going to want to know where did this stuff come from and who owned it before and 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 when did the transfer happen? And, and that's what this technology really can do. So, um, you know, with within the marijuana industry, like they they've obviously done a lot of tracking where they can track it from the pod um, exactly. all the way to the store. And so I think that uses like RFID chips and things like that. So is that the data from the RFID chip? gets captured and then blockchain rather than a database. It could be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends, obviously, on the provider and what technology they're using. But the idea is that you, you know, would scan something like the head of lettuce or, you know, the, the cannabis plant or whatever. You would scan something and that information would then be stored in the blockchain and it would be there forever. So as it goes through its journey, you're able to keep scanning and knowing exactly where it is. So think about, you know, suitcases on an airplane or things about, you know, packages that are being mailed out there, you know, this whole process of knowing something is really important. And that's the concept behind it. I think the difference that blockchain brings is that um, you can make it public if you want. Uh, in our product, it's private, meaning only the company can see this information, but you could make it public in such a way. And this is something we talk about in, in the book. If you think about it in, in a public stock market, I go and buy some Apple stock through my broker and that stock just goes into my name. I don't really care who owned it yesterday. It's irrelevant to me. I just know I own it today and it's in my brokerage account. But in the private market, um, being able to transfer the ownership of these shares it, via the blockchain um, in a public 
setting could be very powerful for companies who choose to register their securities on a blockchain and then allow other people to come in and buy and sell those shares um, where today it might take two months to transfer ownership and be paid and do all of this work and lots of manual agreements that need to be signed. Um, what blockchain could could potentially bring is the ability to log into something, purchase those private securities and transfer the ownership real time. Hmm. You know, some things I guess that come to mind is like you could use it for titles on a house, um, contracts, obviously, the legal, I guess the legal you know, industry could be significantly revolutionized by that, seeing all the iterations of a contract and having that stored. Um, but when you think of your everyday um, companies, whether it's retail or, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, healthcare, aerospace, whatever, what what, what do you think is going to become the most kind of um, revolutionizing thing? Is there going to, you know, kind of kind of like the database or big data or, you know, business intelligence, all of those things, you know, kind of permeated all industries. And it sounds like this will as well. Where, where do you think we might start seeing a lot of that uh, in a company? Yeah. And, and again, I think every industry is looking at it. If you look at the big four and the big banks, and I mean, they all have blockchain people studying this. So finance is very much looking at how blockchain can help move things. Um, I'll give an example. Uh, you know, if you think about currency today, if I want to send some currency to someone in Japan, I have to go to the bank and then I have to convert from dollars to yen and I have to do all of that. Um, so where Bitcoin is helpful in the blockchain is that I could potentially send somebody the money real time and, you know, I can send you 10 Bitcoins and you'll get it three seconds from now and I'm done. I don't have to go to a bank. I don't have to go anywhere. So the financial institutions are looking at this. Um, the, you know, how, how not only um, blockchain, but also Bitcoin. I, I think the food um, system is really looking at this because that whole supply chain is just not, uh, you know, there's a lot of areas where they need to know what's going on. Um, you know, certainly in the drug delivery business, uh, that's important. Um, All that you know, <laughs> Let's keep track of that oxy and where that's going. Exactly, exactly. You know, what pharmacy sold it and, you know, what bottle was it in? And, you know, you could have oxy from, you know, five different manufacturers. And so it's that all the way to like the entertainment business, you know, being able to pay musicians for the, you know, their song, the song just played on YouTube. You know, how do we, how do we get that person their money? So I think what blockchain does is it brings some kind of a, you know, there's a public side to it, which is in certain situations really great. And again, I want to emphasize, we do not use a public blockchain, but it's, it's, you know, the technology is there. Um, and it's in a place where you're moving things, you know, something's going from one place to another. That's where blockchain is going to come in really handy. I would be curious then, um, I guess when you're talking about things playing on YouTube and, and uh, going to, uh, you know, getting the artists getting their royalties or something like that, like, how would that end up working? Uh, I, you know, I, I guess that to me is a huge jump and I'm, I'm having a hard time crossing the chasm, chasm there. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I know of some companies that are working on um, on revolutionizing that. So today, YouTube has to say, OK, we played your song that you wrote and it's uh, November 4th and we played it and it was played five times. And so you get a dollar every time. So we have to give you five dollars and we got to find you and we got to get it over to you. Um, and, and all of that movement can take months and months and months. So what the pandemic ever actually brought to light, as I was talking to the folks who are behind this company that's building the technology, 
technology to do all this is that a lot of musicians were really starving because they couldn't go out and do concerts and you know we right. couldn't sell merchandise at their concerts and so the only thing that they could survive on were the royalties of their songs and YouTube a lot of times will not allow you to play a clip from a song if you can't make sure that you're paying the musician. So there's this kind of disconnect where these people are saying, play my song all day long, just pay me. And YouTube saying, we don't know how to pay you. So what, what again, blockchain can do is, is manage all of that information. And in a public way, they could say anyone who is playing Kareen Schneider's song you know, it needs to go in here. And then I see that it was played in five different places by Spotify, Apple, you know, all these different things. And I can see, okay, I'm owed $5. And then everybody sends a dollar and the $5 comes to me. And potentially that could come to me via Bitcoin. You know, if I'm living somewhere else in the world, maybe I'm on a beach in Indonesia, I'm going to say, I don't want $5. I actually want a Bitcoin and I'll go, you know, convert that into whatever I'm going to convert it in. So the, the work that's being done, and again, these are clients of ours who are using our technology to manage their ownership. It's fascinating to see how they're employing all of this. And so I would say in five or 10 years, anybody who has a time problem, meaning it takes us a long time to process something or it takes us a long time to kind of move a piece of paper from point A to B, um, blockchain is really going to help with that. Oh man, I hope you can reduce the time it takes to buy a house. <laughs> There's some companies know. out there doing that. Yep, yep. Yeah, because that that process to me just seems so ridiculous sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, you you mentioned Bitcoin, and I, I, and I know this is a kind of a an iteration because it, it um, crypto is built with blockchain. But one of the things that I've learned about cryptocurrency is that maybe it's a little misleading in its uh, naming in that it's not all just currency, right? Some of these cryptocurrencies actually have other functions. Is that? Yeah. And I'm not, you know, the foremost expert on this, but here's a, an analogy that I used with my mom to help her understand it. So when you look at, um, if I take a photo of you on my phone, it's a digital asset, right? It's a picture of you. Now I can go and send that picture of you to 20 different people and it's the exact same photo. So it doesn't really have a lot of value. But if it were a digital asset that was logged on a blockchain, I can only send it to one person. So that's what the NFTs are about. And that's what, you know, the, the, the digital assets are all about. And that's why with equity, you know, you can only have one share of stock. You can't go then multiply it and suddenly you have a hundred shares of stock because then no one owns anything. So the idea, if you go back to the photo, is if I only can have one, then if I give it to you, I don't own it anymore. I don't possess it anymore. You now possess it. The one photo I took of you. So it could be like artwork or, or other things. And so in a blockchain, I can now take it from me owning that digital asset to you owning that digital asset. And you can decide whether you want to sell it. So the value of that is similar if you think about a Picasso, right? There's only one. And of course, there's people who are going to say, well, there's fakes and people you know, made posters of a Picasso. And sure, you can do all of that with an NFT or you could do that with with any asset. But the actual owner of that digital asset would be registered in the blockchain as being Kareen Schneider owns this picture of you. No, there will never be another picture like this. And the only way for me to pass it along is to register it in the blockchain that I'm no longer the owner and the new person is the owner. 
Let's let's take a moment and define NFT. It's a non-fungible token is what it sounds right. like, right? So right. can you, because not everybody may be familiar with that. So can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, it, it's just very similar to what I just said. So let's say that there's a, a photo and, and a lot of sports people are doing this right now and actors and musicians and stuff like that. So if I um, have a meme or I have a photo or I have an experience or something that I can digitize. So it's not like a shoe in my hands. It's not, you know, Michael Jordan's shoe. But let's say Michael Jordan takes a picture of something and he says, I am going to put this on the blockchain and make it a non-fungible token. And I'm going to sell this picture of me and there will never be another one of this. And whoever buys it now owns it and they can choose to sell it to someone else. That's what a non-fungible token will do. So- you know, it's it, you could argue, well, but can't I just take a picture of the screen and then I get the same picture of you? And you could say, yeah. And so there, there are, you know, critics out there who say, how valuable is this thing really? Um, so we'll see. This is very early days. But, you know, you look at people like Tom Brady and folks like that. They're all, you know, jumping into the NFT business and they're trying to come up with digital assets that they can create that'll be unique and special to them that will have value. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess then there will be a whole slew of products because here, if I'm buying a picture or something that's digital, I might want to actually view it. So they're like on a wall, because what, like, what value is there to me if, I mean, if I can't um, display it, you know, certain things. So I, I assume then there'd be a whole, you know, um, slew of, uh, of new products that come out to support then those NFTs. And then there's the authenticity, right? So if you come to my house and I've also displayed the same photo, you're going to be like, hey, wait a minute. I own that. How did you you know, get that photo? So um, and then I could say, well, I own it. And you could say, well, yeah, I own it. And we might have an issue. So the whole authenticity and and following, again, that genealogy of where did it come from? Who bought it? Who sold it to whom? All of that is is, is being created. And those are some of these companies that are, are starting now to uh, manage the NFT process. Another example I've heard is like using it almost like a loyalty program where you buy into a you know a company's loyalty and, and and maybe there'll be a thing where you can scan it or something when you show up at a mall and then maybe they have partnerships with other companies who will give you discounts because you're you're the loyalty member or something. I've, right. I've heard it in that example. It's really it's really fascinating because I guess there's so many directions. Um, that things could go. So, you know, kind of what we talk about here is, you know, um, when there are trends out there, some trends fade away. This is not a trend that's going to fade away. So what are some of the things that maybe you guys are telling your clients or or that you would just tell companies about what do they need to do? What do they need to be looking about? So looking at so they don't fall behind? Yeah. Well, I think anybody who's not looking at how blockchain could impact their business delivery um, is 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 woefully behind. Um, you need to look at it because your competitors are looking at it and they're trying to figure it out. Um, I think the other two themes that we have in our software that I think are really important, um, one is artificial intelligence. I think is just the, you know, building that into your products is going to be key. And whether that's into your sales process, your marketing process, the, the, the actual product itself, I think you need to have the ability to make things easier. And again, double-edged sword, all this stuff, there are critics, there are reasons not to do it. But I think if you don't have someone at your company who is, 
at, you know, tasked to look at this strategically, um, you need to go and, and find the right person and, and add them to your team because this is something you you need to understand. Um, and artificial intelligence isn't like in a lab anymore with guys in, in white coats, you know, trying to figure this out. This is everywhere there. It's so per- pervasive. And from a marketing perspective, everyone has to market whatever they're doing. So whether you're a law firm or the butcher or, you know, you just started a software company yesterday, you have to get understand this. Um, and the third thing I'd say is predictive analytics. And so people are expecting products and services now to tell them more things. So, you know, an example in our software is we, we, you know, in the old days, like 10 years ago, you would just put data into a system. And then when you needed to look at the data, you would go look at it. And when you needed to understand what the data said, you'd have somebody download it into a spreadsheet and do some analysis. And that's why, you know, there's analysts at, you know, all these financial institutions, hundreds and thousands of people who are analysts, because all they were doing was, was crunching data. Nowadays, you know, people expect that these systems are intelligent enough to come and tell you when there's a problem. So the example I always give is, you know, when you start your car in the morning, you expect the car to tell you your tires are low, you're, you don't have enough gas, you know, the oil needs something. You don't go run around, check all four tires and, you know, check your oil. You expect the car to tell you that. Well, more and more products, people expect the products to tell them these things too. You know, the food's expired or, you know, this is, uh, I don't know, this has gotten wet or whatever it is. And so this, 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 this two-way communication is also really important. So I think this is something that companies need to look at in terms of their products and services and how they can enter, you know, interact with this kind of a concept and where they can have their customers feel that they're a partner with the customer, that, that the customer you know, is getting value um, by using their products and service because they're being alerted to something that they might not have thought to either even ask or you know, didn't realize it was a problem. Mm. You, you mentioned that there's some um, uh, people out there who are, are naysayers or, or you know, maybe kind of looking at this skeptically, what are, what are some of those concerns come up? That- yeah. Well, on blockchain, they're worried about um, hacking. Um, and, you know, hey, you can hack anything today. We, we, we live with it every day. Um, so unless you want to go live in a cave and never talk to anybody else, you know, the, the cybersecurity and hacking is a, is a reality. Um, secondly, uh, you know, on the artificial intelligence, there's a lot of concern about, you know, what, what is happening with the artificial intelligence, who's using it, how are they using it? It's kind of coupled with data. You know, data is really the new gold of, of, of our world today. Um, and I think predictive analytics, I think people are concerned that it might tell you things about people and their privacy, um, that people will not want you to know that these, that, you know, these things are happening. Again, we are sitting on so much data in this world today that everyone's analyzing it. The question is, are you feeding it to your client or are you waiting for your client to come and ask you? So those I would say would be the kind of negative or critical side of things. And that was kind of a question I wrote down about, you know, do we have too much data? You know, when you were talking about like with stocks, like if you were thinking of a public company and you know every every person who's ever owned a piece of stock. I mean, obviously the SEC might care about that if they're doing an investigation. But is there a point where some of this um, there's just too much data out there that we don't use it effectively then? Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I'd like to, you know, I, I think that cat's out of the bag. There is just so much data and it is all being stored and analyzed. Um, 
I think there's a lot of positive ways to use the data. And I think 10 years from now, we're going to look back at this time and say, geez, how did we make any decisions uh, when we didn't really have a full story of what was happening? Um, so, you know, your example, you used, uh, you know, if you knew that there were investors in your public company who only held the stock for, you know, less than a day. And then you had investors who held it for months and months, you know, they were long-term owners. You would react to those people very differently. Um, so I think all this data that we're getting, I, we're still trying to figure out what's the best use of it. There is also data overload where people just say, gosh, I, you know, I, I don't even know how to absorb everything that you're telling me. It's just way too much. I don't even know where to start. So the companies that are really helping manage the data will um, you know, those that do it well and can um, can digest it for you and present to you what it is you really need to know. Those are the ones that are going to win in the end. Uh, but you know, I think if you talk to any kind of economist or futurist or anybody like that, they will tell you that um, that the data is out there and it's just what people are doing with it. You can't stop it anymore. It's just not possible. And, and, you know, you, you were talking about like what companies can do. What, what should individuals be doing, do you think, you know, um, to be educated maybe or to, to understand um, the risks, things like that? What, what would your advice for that be? Yeah, you know, and I think it's one of these things that can keep you up at night and drive you crazy if you spend too much time thinking about it. You know, I have friends who absolutely won't put anything on social media because, you know, they, they think that they want to protect themselves. Um, I do things on, you know, there's there's certain things I'll do on social media and certain things I won't do. Uh, you know, things like I don't publish my birthday, you know, so I'm always getting random, you know, happy birthday from people. And I'm like, well, it's not my birthday, but oh, that's right. You know, on that, I, I didn't put my real birthday because I had to give you a birthday, but I'm not giving you my real one. So I do think there's things that you can do to be smart about it. I do think you have to come to an acceptance, though, that with the way the world is working now, uh, that this this is a reality that you have to be comfortable with. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you do have to be diligent and I'm not telling you anything that you haven't heard before. You know, you have to manage your privacy carefully. Um, and, and I do think that children, uh, you know, this is an area that I think, you know, we talk about kids shouldn't be on computers and everything. I mean, 18 month olds, you know, are on the iPad and doing all of this. I think this is where we need to be a little bit more focused is to ensure that um, if you have children that you're really talking to them and you're setting up the correct settings because they have the ability to share a tremendous amount of data um, from your devices that you're letting them use. So that would be one area of caution I would have. Yeah, that's interesting um, because, you know, I think you know, I have a daughter and, and you know, when she was born, it was a lot of like, oh, keep them off the device, keep them off the device. But it's coming to the point where it doesn't make sense. Like that made sense because we didn't have devices when we were kids. And so, you know, yeah, you can wait till you're 18. Uh, and I remember my brother whose kids are older, um, when his daughter was 10, he was thinking about getting her cell phone. I'm like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like she doesn't need a cell phone. And right. then when you, when your own kids get to that age, you start seeing, well, it's a it's a different world. And how do I balance, um, you know, what what things I'm allowing them to have access to, um, and not just doing things because that's the way it was done. Exactly. Uh, so exactly. it's an interesting problem. Yeah, and it is powerful. I mean, I had a, a friend of mine who said. 
don't know, something came up and I, and, and oh, I got a, a package from Amazon from her. And I'm like, well, what is this? And she's like, oh, you know, my two-year-old ordered that by mistake. And I'm like, wait, your two-year-old is on your Amazon account? Like, you know, could order something? She's like, oh, she loves buying whatever, you know, a book or something for herself. And I thought, well, that's a really dangerous thing to do. So I, I do think, you know, with things like financial stuff and, and, and you know, do, talking to other people, um, we're going to have to, I think we kind of been lulled a little bit in, oh, the cell phone is so that they can call me if they get lost on their way home from school. Right. And it's like, no, it's a bit more than that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and you know, it was interesting that you brought up social media though, as well, because, you know, I didn't think about if like the social media ended up on blockchain. And obviously right now we have the ability to delete things and, and supposedly in the company's privacy policy, they eventually delete them too out of their databases. Yeah. Um, and so you think about these things where, you know, you might've been a, a silly college age student and put up something that years later you're running for president or something, and you don't want that to come out. And, if it's permanently yeah. etched somewhere, it, it might be. So like having that, it, it, you're going to have to have a longer term perspective really early in life when maybe we don't understand long term impacts. Right, right. One of my first jobs, I, I uh, there was a, a great lawyer who worked there and he was teaching us a bunch of stuff. And he said, never write an email that you wouldn't be willing to read out loud in a court of law with your mother sitting in the front row. And that was a really good lesson for me because, you know, that stuff stays there forever. And you could say, you know, that was obviously pre Facebook and Instagram and everything, you know, never post something that you don't want your mom to see because, you know, she may see it. And so, and I, I find that, you know, people this age and I've got, you know, two 20 year old, two people in their twenties as my children, um, you know, I'm I, a lesson I'm constantly telling them, but you're right with blockchain, it becomes immutable. The thing about blockchain and social media is I think those social media companies are already keeping all of that stuff. So I'm not sure blockchain will make a big difference there. Um, mm -hmm. But for things like financial transactions. So, you know, if you go to the liquor store every day and you're buying a bottle of wine and they're keeping track of that and a year from now they go back and go, wow, every day you came in here and bought a bottle of wine. If that were in blockchain, you know, they, they would have all that data. It's not to say they don't have the data of how many people are walking in here and buying a bottle of wine, but they could see, oh, Kareem Schneider came in here and bought a bottle of wine every day at four o'clock. Uh, you know, this is the wine she bought and, and that information might be um, available to other people. I, I might not want that. And that's the key. It's who has that information because yeah, if somebody really want to investigate it, they could run your credit card number in their system and figure it out or something like that. But um, you're making it, I guess, in a in a way that could be digested. Like what are your buying habits? And then now I'm gonna I might be able to market to you in a different way or sell that information to a complementary uh, organization and and that could be out there and like you said in ways that you don't want like I was thinking about when you were talking about the stock I'm like I don't know that I want like everybody to know every stock I've ever bought or you know and traded um I mean not that it's it just feels personal it's yeah. you know it's like nothing to hide but it just feels very personal right, like right. what stock you own um so it's interesting it'll be interesting what privacy challenges come out of it and, and what new laws i guess would have to support that yeah and again that data is there so it's not like yeah. this is brand new with blockchain i think what blockchain is doing is it's making it a lot easier to see it um yeah, and not having to do all the hard work. like you said you know someone could go and research all of that sure how long is that going to take 
with blockchain, you just, you know, you bring it right up and you can just see it. Like in our system, you literally in three seconds, you can see everybody that owned that stock without any effort. Um, right. And that's important for these companies as they're managing this information. But we've made it a lot easier than in the old days when someone would come in with a piece of paper and say, I own two million shares. And we'd say, no, you don't. Well, that'd take me four months and I'd have to hire some lawyers and some accountants. And is it really worth the money? I don't know. Maybe I don't want to spend it. You know, now with blockchain, I can tell you in three seconds, here's what happened. Here's who you sold it to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, because I've uh, I, I can't remember somebody in my family have passed away and found a whole bunch of stock, and it, it takes time to research. Like, do they still because it was a certificate? Do they still truly own that or not? And, and in this case, no, they didn't. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so, not millionaires all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, when you think about companies who maybe like if it, ignoring this as a trend and stuff, I guess what some of the things they might end up like backfiring if they don't get on board is maybe um, people feeling like more secure with somebody else. Like, you know, the, maybe they become less trusted and let, you know, less confident in that company's data. Are there other things that could come to mind, I guess, when um, if, if people don't get on board, what the perception might be or what might impact them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's all around the same thing, which is, you know, the Iceman and the refrigerator, right? When the refrigerator person came out and the, the Iceman said, oh, everyone will keep using ice. I'm not worried. And then the refrigerator put the Iceman out of business. It, it's the same thing. You know, if I go back to my, my head of lettuce, if I'm at the store and I can know where this head of lettuce came here and over here is a head of lettuce that I don't know anything about, you know, which one am I going to buy? And it's a little bit like organic, um, although, you know, the organic, non organic argument is how do I really know this, this head of lettuce was, was actually raised in an organic setting. I have, I have to take, you know, I have to trust. Um, like I think about our milk, you know, it says organic milk. How do I know it's really organic with blockchain though? There could be a way where I could walk up maybe with my cell phone and I could say, where was this head of lettuce picked? Oh, I see. It was picked in Salinas. Oh, three weeks ago. Okay. I don't think I want to buy this head of lettuce. Let me go over here with my cell phone. And this one was picked, you know, down the street two days ago. I think I'm going to go with that one. Um, so, you know, giving the consumer more information is going to impact their buying habits. And this is the kind of stuff where if you're growing lettuce in the Central Valley of California, you may not be thinking about blockchain right now, but this is the type of stuff that could impact your business long term. Well, and that's interesting as well, because I guess that's going to, you know, that's going to make technology become even more of a possible divider. But like the, the critical um it's going to be a critical element in every industry. And so companies are going to have to put investment in there. I mean, more and more companies need to invest in technology and quit making it this thing on the side where I have computer or I have a telephone or I have whatever, but central to their strategy, to their yeah, yeah. market or market, go to market. And that's rough on small companies. I get that. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you compete? And so I'm sure the lettuce growers who are big corporations who can afford to hire consultants and people to come in, this is going to be stuff that they're going to quickly implement. And those small mom and pop farmers who, you know, this could, they don't even understand the technology. This is going to be hard. But as with all technical advancements, you know, they're going to be people who are going to be victims left on the side of the road who aren't going to be able to keep up. And we as consumers are going to demand these types of things once we see the value of them. And that's that we're in the early days of that, you know, that's still to come.
Yeah, it makes sense. Well, Kareem, this has been a lot of valuable information. And in, in closing, you know, are there three takeaways either that you've already mentioned that you want to re-highlight or or add to the conversation really around corporations and 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 the and the, the trend with blockchain? Yeah. Well, I, you know, as I said, I, I really think you need to understand how blockchain could impact and improve your particular business or service. Even if you're, let's say, a dentist, you know, like, f- figure it out. There's got to be articles out there. Google it. See see what other people are doing. So I would uh, certainly encourage that. Um, and I, I think the other thing is just to keep in, in mind the other two things I mentioned, you know, artificial intelligence and predictive analytics. Um, they're really important. And as you're running a business or growing a business, understand what it is and how it's going to impact what you do um, to make sure you're not left behind. And I know it's kind of repetitive, but I just can't encourage people enough to do that. And finally, I got to say, track your ownership. You know, that's what we do um, at a, with Estrella. If you're less than 10 shareholders, it's free of charge. You can go to Estrella.com and you can start to track who owns your company. It's really important. It's the most, probably the most valuable thing you own in your world is whatever business you've built. So why would you not track it in a responsible way? And that's something I, I really want to encourage people to do. So Estrella.com for for company ownership, Amazon for your book, any other places where people can connect or learn more? Um, uh, well, I'm on Twitter, so you're welcome to follow me, Kareen Schneider. Uh, pretty simple, C-A-R-I-N-E. And um, yeah, love, love to hear from people. At Estrella.com, we have um, an ebook that uh, if you're building a new company and you really don't know what you're doing or you got a lot of questions, download our free ebook. It'll teach you a lot about how to build a company, whether you're two people or whether you're 2,000. It's a, it's a great lesson uh, and, and a helpful book. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, to our audience, uh, keep your organizations healthy. Until next time.